1: Hello and welcome to Off The Beat & Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I speak to Max Hellier of You Me At Six. You Me At Six, who at the time of this recording have the number one album in the UK and it's a great chat. We speak about all kinds of genres of music and Max's journey and, well, all the usual stuff that we, we like to have a natter about on these podcasts. Before we get on to... Uh, this chat with Max, just a few thank yous. Um, Big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you to 76 for producing this podcast. And if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then when you finish listening to my Ace Natter with Max, then uh, go and have a look in the archives because... You can check our episodes with... I think we talk about it on this episode as well. Um, You can hear me talking to Butch Vig. You can hear me talking to Tommy Lee of Motley Crew. Oh, gosh. Cancer Bats. uh, Fat Boy Slim. Mel C of the Spice Girls. Um oh gosh, you name it, they've they've all been on it. So go and have a have a rummage. And it's not just musicians either. We have comedians like Ed Gamble, James Acaster, um amazing actors like Maxine Peake, Amanda Abington, Joe Hartley, Michael Smiley, so, whatever you're into, I guarantee there'll be something in the archives that would tickle your fancy. So, go and have a have a little look, and best still, subscribe, because I put out sort of two or three episodes each week, and you don't even have to worry about it. Then it just pops up on your, your listening device, and uh, all, rare, all ready for you to just get stuck into. Um, also, if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, I have a Patreon page, where each week I upload a few radio shows, some video episodes, some bespoke episodes there's loads of stuff happens over there as well and you can support the podcast there for about 71 p a week i think it is and you get loads of content as well as access to about another two three hundred episodes in the back catalog over there that have never been released to the the general public and uh yeah so any support is is much appreciated as this is a, a labor of love and it's my favorite labor of love and uh but, yeah, any kind of um, support over there is wonderful. If not, um, if you see us on the socials, I'm on all over uh, all the socials. Give us a like, share, retweet, and, and a like, and all of that stuff. I think I'm done now with all the kind of pre-chat waffle. Um, your one-stop shop for all of the stuff I have just mentioned is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Okay, today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast. With Max Hellier of UMI at six. It's off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Joining me today via the means of Zoom, Max Hellier of uh, UMI at six. Good morning. Morning, Stu. How you doing? I'm okay. I'm okay. We've had a we've had a quick natter while we were setting up the audio, and you've uh, you've explained to me that you've got snow and uh, we got none. So I'm a, I'm a little bit jealous. Um, we should also point out that we are recording this on the oh, what's the date today? Twenty. I do. Is it twenty fifth? Twenty fifth. The twenty fifth 25th. 25th, the 25th of January. Um, so for most of us, we're you know we we're, we're dealing with the the, the freezing cold and uh, and and more lockdown. Um, Max, you're dealing with currently having a number one album. Yeah, it was
2: um, on Friday it got announced that our new record Sucker Punch went to number one, which is uh, obviously something that we're all over the moon about. And, you know, I think it didn't really sink in. I think it took a few days for it to really kick in that it's happened, you know, and over the moon and just grateful for the fans and everybody who's been able to go out and buy the record and support us. And, you know, which has definitely been a difficult time for a lot of musicians, anybody in the entertainment industry. It's been a real difficult time not being able to kind of go out and do what you love, which is for us is playing gigs, that's our bread and butter. And, you know, the same could be said for anybody who's an actor who works in the theatre, you know, anybody in the entertainment industry. We've had a big part of our lives taken away from us. But, you know, I always try and turn the negative into a positive and, um, you know, this is a mass positive for us right now. And you meet at six to get a, another number one album. So, you know, forever grateful for everybody who picked it up.
1: Wonderful. So what the celebrations like zoom celebrations?
2: They were zoom celebrations. Yeah. So, oh, um, man. you know, I think, <laughs> I think we've all adapted to the world of zoom right now and just, you know, we've embraced it, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure we're doing our part, you know, as, you know, as public figures, you know, to fans and having a lot of eyes on us, it'll be terrible for us going to be like, oh yeah, we are just, we'll meet up anyway. We'll go to somebody's house and have a house party. We're here yeah. to set the example, you know, lead by how we should be doing. And for us, yeah. you know, we can have a number one album, but it doesn't mean that we have to go and do that. We well, yeah, we released course, the record man. the Friday before we did a Zoom party for the release of the record. And then, you know, the following Friday, you know, we are celebrating having a number one. So there was definitely a lot more drinks involved this Friday <laughs> than the following Friday. <laughs> um, somehow I managed to escape a hangover, and I was constantly drinking espresso martinis all night long, so God knows how I've done that. Um, and my partner was awfully jealous of me, because she sat there and was asleep all day with a
1: terrible hangover. So... Wonderful. I mean, it's credit to, you know, to, to, to the loyalty of your followers, uh, you know, and, and, and the band. Because obviously you said it's been a difficult time um, for, for for anybody in, in, in the music industry, I guess, um, uh, in the creative arts in general. And the fact that your fans are so loyal, and the testament to that is, you know, all those traditional methods of of getting out there and, and marketing an album, going and gigging and touring and TV and radio, all of them things have kind of been taken away from artists at the moment. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, it does mean that people like, you know, yourself and I going, we could go on a podcast, which is great. (laughs) You know, I'm all over that. But the traditional kind of marketing campaigns for records have vastly changed in, in the last sort of year. And I think, you know, the fact that you've released this record, it's gone straight to number one. It's just testament to... To the law E your fans.
2: Well, thank you very much to the fans who've picked up, you know, and the best way I can look at this right, Stu, is, you know, if we didn't evolve and change, we'd still be cavemen sit in caves. So there's, you know, some great things that we can take away from this. Like we're saying, you know, our fans being loyal, going out and buying the records. You know, we we don't have the in-store shows, we don't have the gigs we're playing. We we haven't been able to go and do the luxury of going on TVs. But you know, we are sitting here doing a podcast today, which has been fantastic, and I think a lot more involvement, and everybody's kind of kept up with the times. And I think lockdowns really enhance things to move faster than they were going to, but I think that was going to be the course that was going to go on anyway. So we can sit here and go, well, we've taken some of the old methods and, you know, f- like I said, forever grateful for the fans and our fan base, our families, our friends, you know, our peers who've spoke about the record over the last week, over the last few months since we've announced it, you know, doing it that way, kind of keeping that traditional method of, like you said, buying records is a heart, the heart of like what we do. And, you know, streaming is great as well, but what really gives a band more option and opportunity to be successful is going up and picking a, a record, being like, I support the band. You know, I I do that quite a lot myself. I go and buy vinyls. If I really love a record, I go out and buy it because I know that's going to go and support the band in some way or form. So that's really, you know, for me, a core foundation. But it's great to evolve. It's great to change. You know, wh- why would you sit here and not want to push yourselves and push the boundaries in new areas because that's how you learn. And I think you've even seen it with live shows over the last year with the lockdown shows going on. I have a few friends who've worked on some great stuff. You know, they did the Dermot Kennedy gig at the uh, national history museum. They worked on the, the do lipper live stream. And I'm sitting there and I'd spoke to my friends about it and being like, how, how do you know what you're doing here? What's going on? They're like, we don't, we're just putting our, ourselves into it. And by doing it, that's how we learn. Because we don't have shows, but people want to see live music still, whatever I format.
1: I think it's that that, that it, it strips it back to that that I've said this a few times on this podcast now, but it does, it takes it back and strips it down to that punk ethos of like, right, what have I got on my disposal? What can I do? Right, let's just have a go. Let's see what we can do with what we've got. And I just love that mentality. Just When all of the things you're used to are taken away from you, it does go back to that very punk ethos of DIY, what have we got? Yeah, and no, I think that's the core base of anything that's successful. When you are sitting there and a lot of things are taken
2: away from you, that punk ethos does bleed through everywhere. And you go, yeah. right, well, what can we do? What's the, what, you know, we've lost all of this, but what can we do to make this as successful as we want it to be? You know, some people don't want to have major success. People just want to put their art out into the world. Some people want it to be the biggest thing since sliced bread whatever it is, is that punk mentality of going, we do what physically we can do right now and use the tools that we have around us. And luckily, you know, we sit in an age that we can do a zoom over a a zoom call podcast right now, still seeing each other. It's not like we're doing this over a phone call. You know, there's still an interaction here and I think that's pushing the boundaries. And I think more and more people, you know, as myself, as a musician, my partner loves listening to podcasts. So I've sitting here and I'm listening to more podcasts than I've ever done before. But It's great because I'm learning and you can find out so much more information out there, you know, and seeing how people are doing things differently. And you kind of take a little bit from that. You go, oh, that's really good. I like what they're doing there. And I didn't think that was so good. But, oh, I've seen it on this podcast and they've done it like this. So you kind of just yourself teaching yourself, you know, and I think we're lucky that we've we've got platforms to do that.
1: Max, like 10 months ago. I'd never recorded a, a podcast over over a laptop. I'd, I'd You know, I've got my studio. I'd get people down to the studio. I'd sit face-to-face, and, and I'd do it like that. And when we went into lockdown, that was taken away from me. So, you know, to, to go back to that kind of punk ethos of like, right, well, what have I got? This thing called Zoom. Right, let's have a look at this. And, oh, my God, you know, if I knew anything about Zoom, a few months prior to that, I would have definitely have bought shares in it. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because oh mate, I mean it's it's completely changed. It's 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 completely changed the way that I approach podcasting. It's it's opened my reach of of you know guests global. Yeah. Whereas you know I'll be trying to get them into Shoreditch to come and sit in my studio, and that's you know when you've got I'm not going to get Tommy Lee to fly over from uh, <laughs> from the states to come to Shoreditch for a quick matter, but Zoom you can do that. So it's 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 been kind of you know really interesting to see you know, what that's done. And also, you know, aside from this podcast, I'm very much involved in, a, in, in, in podcasting and seeing how that's changed and how, you know, people have now are leaning on podcasts a lot more. There's been a huge boom in people creating podcasts mm. because people have now got time to kind of, whether that's podcast, music, painting, you know, whatever people have now maybe got a little bit more time. And so, that, them kind of excuses like oh well, I haven't really got time to try this little creative venture that I've always wanted. people are doing it now and it's great
2: I, th- I think that's th- when I was saying you turn the negative into a positive that's for me exactly what I think we can all walk away from this pandemic going well you've always got to have time to do something that you love because you get Mm. such a great feeling from it. You know, Oh, I, I could never do that because I'm running around, got to go to work, getting up, doing the hustle, the bustle and grind nine till five, doing the commute every day. You know, I think this has proven to a lot of people well, actually you can work from home. You know, I think myself, I'm really lucky that I work in an industry that I do work from home quite a lot, you know, Mm. and there has been times that I would go to a studio i will travel into London or i will be in LA or I'll be anywhere in the world. And I'm like, let's get into a studio, but I can sit here in my own house now with somebody in LA and think, well, I can do that over the computer and we're recording it and I can send it back and forth a really quick time. And I can also do things my way as well by being on the computer and I can put my own imprint onto a writing session. But the great thing is we're cutting down the carbon, you know, we're cutting down a carbon footprint of moving forward. And I think yeah. you've seen how, You've seen how much of a great impact, especially in the first lockdown, how much of a great impact that had around the world internationally. Like I remember seeing the, the photos of L.A. and the smog, you know, before we went into a lockdown. And then four yeah. months later, how clearer it was. And I think it's it's a really weird way of looking at it, but it's almost like the world saying, "Slow down, reevaluate." It felt like a
1: little system restore. It did, Max. And like my wife literally said to me a couple of days ago, "We're so used to not seeing airplanes in the sky now."
2: Yeah. Um, You know, I'm used to it because I'm near Heathrow. So, but the the amount of planes that have been cut down, I I can see it here. I'm literally looking out my window right now in my studio. And before there'll be a plane every 10 minutes, I could see flying over. And at the moment, it's maybe every hour and a half, two hours, you know, maybe. And it's just, I think, you know, obviously I feel for that sector, you know, because no matter what, this is going to affect everybody moving forward. And it's really difficult to see, but we've got to try and do our part, you know, and, you know, even for like, you know, I talk to people that we work with and they'd be like, oh, you know, I'd get on a plane to go and do meetings in Australia and I'd be flying back two days later. And they're like, the world that we live in now, we don't have to do that, you know? So I just think it's a personally, I've turned the negative into that positive and being like, we're doing the right thing moving forward. And we're kind of being more conscious about what we're doing and how we Approach our everyday lives now,
1: so many things again, like once this is finished, you know and uh, like the, the the pandemic and we go back to uh, you know a world that we was probably more used to ten eleven months ago i 'd be in no rush to to start sort of doing podcasts in a room where I have to get on a train, go into london and and, and lose a whole day for an hour 's chat, whereas I can have yeah. five chats in a day sitting sitting where I am now via Zoom, and I think, you know, meetings and stuff, like you say, flying to Australia for a meeting, it's like, I think people realise that Zoom's, it can be done there, and it's like, you know, people have adapted now, and I think it's going to reshape so many things, and the, and the other thing that I hope that we, we draw from this is that how much we appreciate connecting with other humans, and just walking down the street now, you know, in where I live, you know, in Essex, if, if, if somebody starts talking to you that you don't know walking down the street, you're a little bit kind of worried it's <laughs> yeah. that it's that anxiousness isn't it? i think there's yeah. a lot of anxiety
2: actually going to go back into the real world where yeah. people are going to connect again but i like you i we in my local area if i stop and talk to somebody i've got my mask on i'm two meters away and you know i think once the vaccine's properly rolled out across the country and we're into a position that we can start being allowed back out into the new normal you know, I'm not going to say it's the normal. I think it's going to become the new normal. There's going to 100%. be things that change and people will look at things in different ways. But I try and interact with people because I think it's good for the mind to kind of start building yourself back up again on a, a human 100%. base because the world that I live in is gigs and it's so many people and environments. So I've got my cat joining me to come say alone. <laughs> and s- smell my microphone, special guest Bella. Um, so you Max,
1: know, I agree. I, I, I run a live music venue uh, yeah. that's been shut for... For 11 months now and and it's it's heartbreaking and, and I'm used, you know, that, that venue is, a, is, a, is an alternative club night every Friday and Saturday and I'm used to interacting with hundreds and hundreds of people every weekend and I've done for nearly 30 years now and that's been taken away from me and I miss that connection, I miss that, watching that response to, to people reacting to music, you know, as a collective, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, and I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about because... You know, being a DJ is is very similar in regards to you know being on stage in a band you're con- you're and entertaining. Connecting,
2: you're connecting people all in one room. And Completely. When you see that energy, where, you know, as a DJ, I was watching this amazing uh, interview with Fatboy Slim and he says, some nights you just don't get it right and people don't resonate. But when you play it and you get it really right and a whole room resonates together, he's yeah. like, there's no better feeling in the world, you know, than seeing everybody from all different walks of life connecting. And I think yeah. that's what I'm really missing that. And, you know, I, I think I took it for granted before, to be honest with you. actually I think being everybody a musician. did, Max. You know, so I sit here now and go, you know, I wasn't going to as many gigs as I would like to, but kind of having that taken away from me, it's just like, no, that is, I I live and breathe music. I should be going to shows when I find an artist I love, I should be going out there supporting them, interacting with people, having fun and remembering why I started doing this again.
1: Yeah. Well, I I hope that, you know, everybody's going to kind of have that approach to to coming out of this situation and, and, you know, enjoy that. You know that connection with humans now that, like you say, that we may have all taken for granted, and and you know, and if you do see someone, because when I'm out running now and I see someone across the other side of the road, I'll always give them a little kind of wave or an acknowledgement, you yeah. know, or a morning, yeah, a morning. And it's
2: always a morning, isn't it? It's it's either, yeah. the, it's either the nod, it's like, or the morning, or hello, yeah. how are you? And that's and yeah. that's like as far as you can go. But that could really, and, well, change unless they've got dead. a dog.
1: If yeah. they've got a dog, you do that kind of like really kind of like, please smile as you look at their dog and then acknowledge them. (laughs) (laughs) Too true. Um, Max, should we talk records? Yeah, we should definitely talk records. Let's do it. Okay, track one. The song with the greatest ever intro, please. The song with
2: the greatest ever intro. In my humble opinion, was Pink Floyd, Money. And as a young whippersnapper when I was growing up, you know, I remember being in my dad's car. And he would always take me to football practice and after I swear after every football game that I played on the weekend, he would just crank up Pink Floyd money. And he would also, this is one of the greatest intros of all time. And I mean it was like excrucially loud in the car. Like you can hear the cashier breaking windows in other places. Yeah. And when it drops, you're just like with the bass line and it all kicks in and like the tremolo guitar wow wow wow. It's just like it just reminded me of such a great point in my life where you know I didn't realize music was going to become my life, you know, but I remember sitting there having fond memories of it, and as I was getting older and older with time, I started appreciating great music, you know, started to go to go through the c d collection of my family and you know stumbling across Pink Floyd again at an age that I appreciated it more because when you're younger, you're like, oh, I just want to listen to the radio. I want to listen to top 40, which is, you know, I still like top 40 radio. I've got quite a wide collection of, you know, eclectic taste of music, but there was just something about this record. And I think that's why it's one of the best selling albums of all time, because it left such an impact on people still today. You could play this record to, you know, maybe a seven, eight year old, and they might connect with it in some way. And they might not realize it there and then, but you know, years down the line maybe when they're 18 or maybe when they're 25 whatever age they get to they might be able to go back and listen to it, be like oh i really appreciate that i just think for an intro greatest intro of all time like you don't hear stuff like that anymore i think well i think music's kind of evolved so much you know that you don't get these fantastic epic intros anymore
1: Well, I mean, you've just led me perfectly into the, the question I want to ask you, and I, and I ask all guests this and that, that are musicians, and, and it couldn't be more tailored to yourself at the moment um, because I'm interested, things like money, and, and, and if we look at Pink Floyd as a, as a great example, um, you know, stuff like Wish You Were Here, uh, uh, any, anything, Comfortably Numb, all of these songs have got these epic drawn out intros that if they were released as singles today would never get on the radio would never get on the radio um and so what i'm really interested in is because looking at obviously when music was made then even like you know the, the, the early recordings um that you were doing as a band uh in you meet sex how as the world has evolved and the way that people listen to music and if we look at radio play as well being a factor in that has that changed over the years how you approach an intro when you're songwriting
2: yes and no to a certain to a certain level um you know obviously the world of music that we live in now i'm definitely conscious of it and I think for the, you know, for the last four or five years, I remember we worked with a great record executive and R guy called Corda Marshall, and he signed like muse and J and he's really done the rounds in the UK and he's really well known in the industry. And, you know, I always just remember to, talking to him and this was, must be five years ago and he's like, people, it's just nowism. Everybody just wants everything now, sure, quick in and out you know people their attention spans have dropped compared to and not in a bad way but i think the way we consume now more than evolving f- we have evolved again like like i go back to saying if we'll be cavemen still in the cave if we haven't evolved and you know i think i totally agree with that sometimes for the song you don't need a massive intro but sometimes as a as a creative output, you know, it shouldn't always, I don't sit there and think about, Oh, is that going to get on the radio? Cause there are sometimes I sit there and go, I've written a great song and it's like, Oh, this could be a radio song. So I kind of tailor it to mind, but the first song on our new record, you know, sucker punch and the song's called nice to me. I remember, I remember writing it in the studio room. I have in my house and I was just sitting there thinking about some of my favorite artists, but not even artists. I was sitting there going, favorite directors like Guy Ritchie and what would, how they would approach maybe some of their soundtracks and how they look at their films. So I'm sitting there kind of tailoring to also my personal need as a creative artist, putting out art into the world that I think is a representation of me. So I would do some longer intros. I think some musical instrumentation parts are really nice to showcase that you can do that. And I think it is important to still. I think anyway, from my side and for the rest of the Umi at Six guys, is showing off what we're about. It's not about jumping on the trends. So to say, it's about. I don't want to be a sheep, you know. I want to be, I want to be ahead of the pack, you know. And sometimes being ahead of the pack is just doing what's right for you, you know, and not listening to anybody else. So I think there's still a need for intros because there are lots of music fans out there across the world if it you know top 40 is great modern music is great don't get me wrong but there's still that's not just music the music pool is so much bigger than that that you know you can connect with different fans of music by maybe just a little bit out of your comfort zone and a little bit outside your box and I think, really, for me, that's. I wouldn't. If I write a song and I'm like, this would do an amazing intro, you can do some long, extended thing, then go for it. Because at the end of the day, you can always record it and you can cut it down. But if you don't record it,
1: you don't have the option at all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well answered, Max. Um, Track two. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please?
2: Oh, the first song. For me, as a guitar player, You know, being in the 90s was, you know, Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I remember finally when you got cable TV and you're like so excited as a youngster scrolling through. Oh, God, all the music channels, all these channels and all that. And I stumbled onto Kerrang! And, you know, I think it was Metallica 1 was ending because it's such a long, epic video. And it rolled into Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I think I was about eight or nine at this point in my life. And just hearing the guitar of sitting there watching this kind of gritty, raw video with like the old cheerleader dancers and all the moshers together. And I just, my ears just went, what's this? And then you get the Dave Grohl fill that's probably one, you know, up there with one of the most iconic feels of all time. And, you know, I think for music, you've got to be caught straight away in the first 10, 15 seconds. And that song at that point in my life really got my attention. And I watched the whole video and I was like, that's it. I, I, I've got to get more of this music. And then that Christmas I got nevermind on record and kind of just threw myself into a Nirvana hole. That was essentially what inspired me to go and play guitar, you know? And I think the whole thing with Kurt Cobain was such a simplicity And such an easy way of writing songs. They weren't so complex. They weren't like it wasn't like math where all the equations were so hard. It was just like hey, I've got some chords and I've got a great vocal melody, and that's sometimes what is the most important thing about music that resonates to you.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. Like for me, like I mean, them records, you know, the the, like, you know, the whole kind of grunge movement uh, in the early nineties fell when I was like eighteen, so it was I I caught it exactly the right time. It was a wonderful time. And the fact that Pearl Jam would get thrown in the same kind of mix as, as Nirvana, and that's how I adore both of those bands. Yeah, big time. But Pearl Jam for me were very much more, more like, you know, your Pink Floyds and your traditional rock bands. Yeah. And Nirvana for me, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, I don't want to overuse the word punk, but he's punk as fuck. And, but I think Nevermind is possibly the greatest pop record ever made. Every single track on that album is an absolute pop gem. Yeah. The hooks, the choruses, everything. It's just pure pop, you know, played with, with, you know, with absolute you know, venom. But uh, I just think it's an incredible... I mean, I, I was blessed to, to get to um, have Butch Vig on this podcast. and yeah. And I, I asked butch about, I tried to sort of avoid the, the, the Nirvana chat, because I thought he's probably a little tired of it. <laughs> yeah, and, it's been uh, a
2: few years he's had that for us, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, when we finished, you know, ob- he touched on it when he was talking about intros, that obviously Teen Spirit's a huge intro, and and, and also mentioned the growl, Phil, which is just monstrous, and, yeah. and I'd heard him describe it previously as like, when that kicks in, when he first heard it, it felt like the studio was collapsing on top of him, and I just thought, "That's exactly how it sounds. It sounds like you're in a building that's literally about to just fall a bit on your head. It's like monstrous, but absolutely it's, wonderful." Is that,
2: it's that energy that you know you create magic. And sometimes I think, as an artist, you sometimes know what you do, and you mm-hmm. know sometimes you think, "Oh, this song's really good, and that's really good," and you have pre like you have expectations for songs. And I actually think the greatest songs are the songs you don't have any expectation of. And they come out of nowhere. You've got this song you sit and go, yeah, it's all right. It doesn't really Because do. you're an artist. You're always critiquing your work and you always think you you know. But actually, the people that are outside the world, that are outside your four walls and hear it for the first time go, that's when you see the reaction. And I think that's... Well, especially with Nevermind and this song especially it ripped down the houses of everybody. Like you were saying it, you know, it is a rock record, but it was a rock pop record without trying to be a popular record Yeah, because it knocked, it knocked everybody What at that time. Like, you know, obviously the grunge movement was like, you were saying Pearl Jam, you had Soundgarden, you had so many great artists coming out, but it took out hip hop music. You know, you had bands like the Beastie Boys and you had like, you know, Jay-Z coming through, all that kind of, just that big and into bubble. And then they saw Nirvana, they're like, well, well we've got to step back. Like, there's, We can't contend with this. And you saw yeah. the eruption. It's like dominoes. Everywhere it went, it was just like, bong, 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 bong. It just knocked everybody out. And you, that's a special thing. And I think that's why, you know, when I heard this song, it must be 97, 98, you know, because I'm a little bit younger, it instantly resonated with me. And it mm-hmm. was like after Kurt Cobain passed away. And it's even that fact that, you know, their music hasn't been able to carry on, you know, obviously Dave's gone off and done Foo Fighters and Chris has still played a bit of bass and Pat Smith's now in Foo's as well. The fact that their music is still here and people still, you know, I think you can talk about it in modern day music of like trap artists. You know, you've got people like Travis Scott who pay a nod to Kurt Cobain because it still has a a resonating effect on them. And, you know, I think that's the same reason why I've chosen Pink Floyd is because these artists, you know, my taste of music has changed, but I can still go listen to Pink Floyd. I can still go and listen to Nirvana and I don't cringe myself out because I'm not going, oh, I can't believe I listened to that. It's like, no, this is, this is still now after 20, 30, 40 years. I still want to listen to it. It's timeless. And I think as any artist, what you're trying to create is something, as a timeless piece of music or art, whatever you do. And sometimes you can strike really well and get that without realising it. And I think those first two songs I've spoken about really do that hundred percent
1: what's the song reminds you of your time at school please max
2: (laughs) when uh, when we're talking about this and i was kind of going back to when i i'm thinking about like that transition between primary school and going into secondary school and i remember going to the school discos and this song was popping and it's uh it's Bomb Funk and Styler with uh, well, it's Bomb Funk MCs, Freestyler, and
1: It's a tune, it's, mate.
2: It's still it's still a tune. I, I, when when we were talking about it, I went back and listened to this song, and I still smile when I hear this song because it reminds me of good times. Being, you know, I felt like I was probably doing the in betweeners dance before the in betweeners <laughs> was coming about to this song, and I, I'm sure a lot of people did as well. But it's, there's something about the energy of this song, like. For me, it's like the euphoric guitar kind of openness that opens it up. And again, you know, for me as a guitar player, it's like get my point of interest and that instantly got you. But then like the complete switch around of this song was like something that I'd never heard before. This is like at a point when I'm talking about top 40 and maybe a style of music that I'd never really understood because I was young had broken into the top 40. And then actually allowed my listening demographic to expand a bit more as I grew older. So this song for me really is like, it's a funny song because at the time it's, it's a great tune. But would I kind of listen to some of the music, like even breakbeats and jungle and garage and drum and bass? Would I listen to some of that without this song? No, I probably wouldn't, you know. So that's the greatest thing about songs when they do break the top 40 because it's a movement. And this song, for me, I think you can play it to, you know, like yourself, Stu, you're saying, what a tune this is. You can play it to, I'll play it. We played this song on the bus and we all have beer parties and we're all up dancing. It's just like it brings that energy and it puts a smile on people's face. But it's also a song that everybody can sit there and just sing the chorus and just have a laugh.
1: Yeah. How did you find school?
2: Um. Mixture, to be honest with you, school was for me like had a little bit of bullying in my earlier life towards me, which secondary I, school uh, a a little bit in secondary school, but more in primary school actually. To be honest with you, and I think that's kind of why I fell into the the rock world a bit as a, a bit of a misfit, to be honest with you, because of the way I was, and um, it made me just kind of go well, whatever. It, it it grew me a harder skin, to be honest with you, and. Yeah, it kind of got me down a little bit at first. And I, was, and I just, you know, remember talking to my parents and being like, don't worry about that. People would just say mean things. They're just doing it because they, they're jealous, you know, of something or whatever goes on in their life. And you've got to sit there and remember life is too short. You're going to have people that throw stuff at you like this. But the classic sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt, you know. Like, and I kind of grew up on that mentality of going, It's strange,
1: well, though. I do find it strange, Max, because, you know, I've, I've, I've got two daughters, uh, you know, and, and, and as much as you can tell them that, and you know, as, as an adult, you know that. You know that to be the case. But when you're a child, it doesn't matter how many people tell you that, it's hard to accept it, isn't it? Because you, you don't know really who you are properly, and there's so many other conflicting... You're just trying to fit in, and yeah. I think it, it's... it's Uh, you know and then you said that you know you you felt like a misfit and I think it is that glorious moment when you find your tribe I think that's that's the that's the moment sorry I just wanted to no 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 I I
2: think it's really important because like even touching what you're saying there Stu is at that age in life you're experiencing things for the first time Mm. You, you you know you've kind of grown up being a toddler and then you get to you're like really you're kind of younger age then you go to primary school and you're learning things and you know, things for the first time are happening and it's quite a lot for the brain to digest at that age because it's, it's when you're at such a young age, your brain is like glue. It sticks, everything sticks to you. So like, even like if you're getting bullied, it sticks to you and it has, it does have an effect, you know, but I was lucky that I grew up in a family that, you know, forever grateful for my mum and dad, you know, always would have dinner at the table, would always sit down, would always have open conversations, would allow me to talk freely and I think that was really important. A part of my development as uh, a kid to a young adult to an adult. Now that I could still sit there and like, even right now I'll get on a FaceTime with my mum and dad and celebrate, you know, the fact we had a number one, a second number one album. It's just like they, I look at my family now as best mates, you know, I don't look at them as mum and dad. I look at them going, they're two great people that inspired me in my life and gave me such great advice throughout my journey that has made me become who I am today and sitting there remembering how I felt as a youngster kind of having that feeling, but the encouragement as well. You know, I, I'm not saying I was constantly bullied, but there was, you know, you would have people that would pick on you, you know, because they thought you were an easy target, you know, so you can kind of take it a little bit. But the misfit thing for me was just like, I found something that I loved at a really early age. And I remember sitting there watching my sister play piano and I remember in primary school they came around with the instruments and I was like guitar, guitar, guitar because it was like all around that time I was listening to Nirvana and being like that's resonated with me now I'm seeing that's the instrument they brought into school and it took me four years to get there you know my mum and dad were like well we you know it's either football or music and you've got to decide what you want to do and I was like it's got to be guitar you know that's, that's what I'm drawing towards. And luckily I, I worked hard and I proved to my parents, that's really what I wanted to do. And I think as another foundation of growing up in life, you know, it's a really, if you want something, you got to really want it and you've got to yeah. be hungry and drive towards it. And even through all those misfit days and people doing a little bit of bullying and picking on you and sitting there, just, just like my brain was soaking it all in to then get to that next part of my life being like, I've got to get through the, I've got to get through this really hard time to get to where I want to be, you know, because life is not easy. Life's not a bed of roses and you go, well, through the hard, difficult times in life, it prepares you for when the good times come ahead, you know? So I always sit there and go, there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel, no matter what you go through and having a good support unit and talking about things like that. And, you know, at that time of being maybe a little bit bullied at school, I had a support unit of my mum and dad that I can go and talk to, you know. And if it wasn't my mum and dad, it could be uh, a peer, it could be it could be a teacher, something that you could confide in. It doesn't matter who it is, you know. I think I've always been quite an open person about my feelings and how I move through this life, and. I think that's been one of the best things that's helped me kind of get through this life as being an open book. You know, some yeah. people are different about that and some people are quite like harbored up and they go, no, I'd, they don't show their feelings when, you know, more for everybody, you know, I'm not telling how people should live their lives and what they should do because that's not me, but I know what works for me. And it's helped me navigate into a great part of my life right now. where I've bounced back multiple times through really hard situations in my life that I go, it's just, it's just a phase. At the end of the day, it is rubbish. It's difficult right now. Even kind of like what we're going through, you know, we're going through a lockdown free now and it is difficult. And I think it's more fatiguing for a lot of people than ever before. But being able to talk about it instead of harboring those feelings inside, bang, it's, uh, you know, I've had conversations with my partner about it. I've had conversations with my bandmates about it, had conversations with my family about it, you know, and it might be me, but it might be them. And if we can all talk and communicate, then you feel so much better afterwards.
1: Definitely. Are you, um, you driven, Max?
2: Yeah, I've, I've got a nickname in the band. I'm called Taskmaster.
1: <laughs>
2: um, because I'm, <laughs> I'm so driven. I, I just, you know, like I said, in this life, you don't get nothing for free. You've got to work hard for it. And I, like I said in the last question, you know, being in school, I found my passion really early on, which I'm really lucky for. And because that takes some people, that could take people years to get there, you know, find what they really love and what they really want to do. And it makes me hungry every day that I wake up and I want to be better and I want to strive to be better. And, you know, if that's in my way, how I am as a human being or how I am with writing songs, you know, just my general motion through life is I'm a driven person. I want to be the biggest and best version of myself possible because if i'm the best version of me max hellier then i can be the best version for other people and be a support unit for them and be there when they need you the most you know and there's been times when i've been beaten down and i've seen my friends be the best versions of themselves to allow them to allow other people to be the best versions of themselves as well so yeah i'm really driven and i think that's that's why i get out of bed every day because I I love what I do. And as long as it puts, as long as it gives me a roof over my head and I can put food on the table and support, I don't have to sit here and be in a mansion and drive a, a really nice car as much as those things would, they're luxuries, you know, they're the, they're the things that people would like to have, you know, but they're not a necessity to live, you know, and that's kind of the way I look at my life is going as long as I can sit here and, put the food on the table and have a roof above my head and support in the way I can do, then that's all that matters to me because I get to do something I love, you know? And I think that's really, that's really important, you know, because as life goes on, I think some people can sit there and be not happy. And it's like, well, why aren't you happy? And it comes, comes down to the root of they're doing something that doesn't give them pleasure in life, you know, and this grind and it's hard and life is like that no matter what you do. But as long as you do something you love, then at least you get out of the bed every day and go. Oh, I love what I do. I'm driven. I'm going to go. And I'm going to do this the best I can do. Or you know, if I can't do it the best I can do, how can I get to that position? You know. So yeah, I'm, I would say I'm a driven person.
1: First song you ever buying from a record store, please, Max.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was the M Real Slim Shady single, and I think it was a. Think it was a Virgin Mega Store I went into. I think it was in Reading. I was with some my family and some of my family friends and their kids. And is that where you grew up, mate? Yeah, I'm a kind of Surrey area. You know, I'm near Thorpe Park myself, and I've stayed. I've I've stayed here all my life. You know, luckily as a musician, I've I was never really wanted to travel and see the world, but because of being in a band, it's allowed me to go and do that, and it's really grown me as a human being. I've got. A lot of world knowledge now. And it's made me who I am today without really realizing it. And having that worldly experience is like, well, I've learned so much by traveling and interacting with different sorts of lives that I would never have thought I would have done. But with that, it's made me go, I want to stay, like, if I'm going to live somewhere if I'm traveling all the time, I want to be close to my, I want to be close to my mum and dad. I want to be close to my sister. I want to be close to my nan. I want to be my family and my friends where I've grown up from. I don't want to just kind of disembark and go elsewhere right now in my life because I'm, I'm lucky to have these people here and they're the ones that have supported me. And I get a lot of, I get a lot of great joy out of my family and I have a lot of fun with them. They bring a lot of smiles to my faces and, They've made me who I am today, so I want to kind of at a point in my life now that I'm I'm thirty years old, 30, I'm going to be thirty one in a couple of months. It's like, you know, I want to pay back my due diligence to them for being like, thank you for making me who I am today. Now it's my turn to look after you when you need the help. So, yeah, I've I've stayed local in Surrey for my whole entire life.
1: I just want to uh, touch on on Virgin Megastores and you know HMVs and and, and the kind of the stores that would have been. I imagine the places where you would have got, got your records growing up can you remember the first time you saw one of your own CDs in a record store
2: yeah it was um, I think it was when we had our single "Save for the Bedroom and it came out we set up an independent record company with our manager at the time who was from Leeds called Ben Ray and he worked at a company called Future Sound and his boss was a guy called Colin who was managing the Pigeon Detectives and you know, Ben took us under his wing and he had a club night that kind of played all the kind of the rock, pop, emo kind of music and all that. And, you know, he put us on a show. We kind of grew a relationship and he signed us as a manager. Then we set up our own record company and put out the single. And I remember going around to HMV's and, you know, Virgin Mega stores, literally just before they crumbled at that time, and went into the independent stores and sitting there, you know, I, I've, I can literally get it right now, to be honest with you. If you give me two seconds. My, f- my friend made me this, which is our first single.
1: Oh, and amazing. I've, and I've
2: got it framed, and it's just like, you know, that's the first ever proper, you know, sorry, because the light is so, like, bad here in my room. That's so cool. But it's, for me, it's such such an important memory to have that in my room, you know. You can see I've got gold discs. I've got sold out tour posts. I've got favorite artists on the wall, but that keeps me grounded. That's, that's the thing I look at and go, that's your first piece that went into the world. Don't forget what that was like when you released that now, you know, because every record you make should be, you have the attitude of it. It could be your first and it could be your last. And that's, I think how you get your best kind of music. So I look at that and I remember the feeling when that was in shops going, as a, I think I was 17 when that went into record stores. And I remember just being overwhelmed, being like, my God, our CDs in a record store, like, we've done, we've done it, we've done it, we've made it, you know? And, you know. And little do you know at 17 when you release your first song, you're like, there's a bigger world out there. This is just the beginning. So it just, it just reminds me of it, and I'm grateful for my friend to make it as well because it's something I can just look at there and go, don't forget that. That's, that was the start of your journey and how that made you feel. Keep that energy and that attitude yeah. for everything you do.
1: Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello
2: And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.
0: It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter.
1: Well, let's move forward a little bit now for track five. Yeah. I'm going to ask you the song that soundtracked your years clubbing, please, Max.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is, um, you know, this is a good one. I, this made me smile and actually made me think what would be that song. And I think at a time with me and my friends, you know, that were going clubbing and just living outside London, and I had a bit of a fake ID that wasn't fake, but, you know, I got away with. I had a lot of friends that went to Fabric you know, in London and being like the big, the the last Friday of the month or the first Friday of the month. And everybody would go and have a bit of fun without saying too much. And I remember it was at a time where this band from Australia and everybody was listening to drum and bass and like MC Skibber D and like DJ, like, like, like hazard and all that coming back from the raves. And obviously being a, from a bit more of a, a band kind of side of things, you know, I was kind of drawn to more artists like the prodigy, You know, and that kind of they brought that kind of club rave scene, but they still had a band behind it. And at the time that I was started to go to clubs and bars was Pendulum, you know, and I remember this song Tarantula coming out and just seeing the wave of people that came from a musical background that did like playing instruments and came from a bit of a a rock bandy background that did also like dance music, you know, electronic music this band Pendulum just hit the sweet spot out of nowhere. And it just kind of came as a massive wave that every time I was going to my local clubs in Kingston at this time, you know, it was sitting, and this song would get played and everybody would just be skanking and dancing and throwing moves. And it's just like, it had the right amount of everything for me. And I think fi- I
1: couldn't agree more,
2: you know, and like, it's just, I sit here now and I still, t- I still take influence from Pendulum now to this day.
1: I think, I think it felt. I think the Prodigy were maybe on a on a hiatus for a bit. I think, mm-hmm. and and it felt that they just happened at the right time. I think there was. I think Shikari were messing around with electronic stuff as well at that point, and yeah. it just seemed to just tie in with that. It felt like it for me as, as you know, uh, who, who was playing these records in in rock clubs. As soon as that, but am I right in thinking the Pendulum remix Voodoo people?
2: They did, yeah. That, and that's yeah. how I—that's
1: I think that's how I really got
2: into Pendulum because yeah. it was that you know that big special record that Pendulum made with all their greatest hits on it and mm. the remixes and that mm. Voodoo remix was just like Huge. it just slapped, didn't it? And I remember sitting <laughs> going, "What the f- what the hell is this?" And then just kind of going, "All right, cool." And then you start connecting and go, "That's Pendulum." And then you hear it in the clubs yeah. and you hear it in the bars and you're going, "There's something going on here." You know, like you were saying, like, Shikari are, are friends of ours that I've looked up to, you know, because I remember, you know, when they released their first record, Take to the Skies, you know, we've been playing local shows with them. It was like, oh, we're playing with Shikari. Unbelievable. We got there, you know, we're playing with this amazing, amazing band that's representing the UK scene. And they
1: were really unique because there was nobody else like them in the UK. And like, and, and you've also got to think their warm-up as well. Like, they'd, they'd always have Sam, DJ, PDX, like like, DJing drum and bass. Yeah. And it was like... I just thought it was really forward thinking. Well, it's just breaking
2: again. It's like I think uh, really ahead of their game. They were jump. They were genre mashing before genre mashing was a cool thing. Mm. And you know, not staying in their lane, taking influences and bringing communities together. If you're from a dance electronic world, and if you're from a rock world, let's just put them both together. And Mm. like you were saying, the prodigy was like a big a big factor of that. You know, being on hiatus or not being around at that period in time as much, but. I knew about it. You know, I knew about all their great songs and seemed to be like, yeah, this is great. It was like, they mashed great stuff together, but they brought that kind of misfit attitude to it as well. That yeah. resonate with so many people. And it's just like watching that development and over the years stuff has evolved. Pendulum became that you know, for club goers that were rockers as well. And same as Shikari. You know, so it's, it's, you know, like I said, I still take influence from Pendulum. I think Rob Swire is one of, he's a very great songwriter and it's amazing to watch what he's done over his career to be like, you could come from this kind of electronical rock background and write songs with a band, but hey, doesn't mean you can't go and write Rude Boy for Rihanna and become a global smash songwriter no way yeah. he wrote that he wrote Rude Boy by Rihanna yeah so he's part of wow. that so like you know that I think that for me is you know people will know me as Max Hellier from the rock band You Me at Six but you know I'm, I'm songwriting I'm, I'm, I'm just a songwriter I'm a guy that likes to make music and I have a great time making music in You Me at Six but the world is bigger and I've got a lot mm-hmm. more different styles of music that I like that you know I was lucky to write a song with one of my friends called Jack and he's, he's an artist known by V.C. Pines and he's a bit more R&B, soul, kind of, like, kind of groove-based. And I'm into that. And my friend was drumming for him. He's like, you guys should connect in a room together. And then, you know, fast forward, like, seven, eight months' time, we've got into a studio together, and we've and I've written one of his songs for him, with him, you know, being part of that creative experience outside of my world. And it's just, like, again, like, opening your mind, broadening your horizons, not staying into one thing you know always trying to learn trying to adapt trying to mold and learn tricks from
1: different people because i get you can only grow as an artist can't you
2: yeah exactly and you know that's allowed me to kind of go back when i've done songwriting sessions and written for other people why i love what i do in you at six so much because i get my other fix and music in other areas by just being a songwriter you know that's just that's just fun i didn't start that's why i started making music because i like music and if I can collaborate with other friends who do music, then more, more grateful, you know, and humbled by that to sit there and give my knowledge and experience to new artists that I appreciate that I believe can be the next talent coming through and give them some advice from my side that I've done it for 15 years. Excellent.
1: Well, let's take you home for track six, Max. And, uh, and it's a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please.
2: Yeah, well, you know, there's, there's a few people you could pick on this one, Stu. I didn't, I didn't think Cliff <laughs> Richard would be the best pick for this one, to be honest with you. But um, I, went, I, went, I went with Eric Clapton. Um, OK. You know, because Clapton has been Surrey born and bred and, you know, Cream's unbelievable. But the song I've actually picked is a song from his Unplugged record for MTV and it's called Old Love. And the reason why I've picked this song is it just reminds me again of tour times and being on the bus with our guitarist, Chris Miller. And he comes from a very blues kind of rock background, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix. And that's his style of playing more so than I. And I remember when it would get to late at night on the tour bus, we'd just be having a few drinks and we'd put on this record And this was the song that always resonated with me, you know, just sitting there and it became a song that we'd play in soundcheck together to song guitar. And it's just, it's just such a beautiful song. And especially this rendition of it as well from the unplugged CD. It's just like, I love the fact it's so lounge, but you can hear some of the imperfections as well. Like as a musician should be, it's not, it's not all gridded. It's not all robotic. You can hear the natural playing of a musician on this record. And I take great inspiration from that because some of the best things are some of the finest mistakes that kind of just add to the human touch of things. Uh, This song just reminds me of late nights on the road, sitting there with a beer in hand, kind of reflecting after a night show. and It's one that I reflect with with one of my fellow bandmates, you know, Chris, and sit there and always brings a smile onto our face.
1: Oh, I just want to um, ask you another question before we get onto your, your final track. Um, you, you, you mentioned earlier that you, you know, your memory of hearing Floyd's Money was in a car um, with yeah. your dad, and, you, and, and you've just mentioned there, you know, Clapton and, and, and you know previous you know g- previous generations of music, I guess that you know always find their way through uh, in, into modern music. Growing up, aside from that kind of you know journeys in the car was there was there music on at home growing up
2: yeah there there was definitely music on at home Uh, my mum and dad had a vinyl player that kind of got put away because the needle broke after a certain amount of time and they just never upgraded and they had a cd player and you know music in my household is again maybe why the reason i have such a broad taste is because of my mum and dad you know my dad was like into stuff like hawkwind and emerson lake and palmer David Bowie, you know, then, but he would go into areas like George Benson and like Miles Davids and like all kind of jazz stuff. So he had like this rock kind of experimental side and then that led into jazz. And my mum was like the beach boys and Elton John and stuff like that. And, you know, then there was middle grounds of like the police. And so I had like really wide, widespread of like music going on in my house. And then even when I was growing up, when I was blasting like Nirvana and Metallica in my bedroom on the other side of the house is my sister who was blasting Justin Timberlake and the Neptunes and like Nelly Furtado. So I'm sitting there being like, turn that crap off, turn that crap off, you know? And I'm sitting there blasting Metallica, which he's probably saying, turn that crap off too, is I actually look back now and go, "I've all that music has kind of bled into where I am now. And it's subconsciously yeah. just placed a blueprint in my, in my mind of what's great music. You know, at the end of the day, and if it's got a good beat and it's got a good melody that you can sing along or hum to, that's all that matters. So, yeah, I'm really grateful that I've, I, I, throughout my whole entire life, I've had one thing I've liked, but I've always surrounded myself with lots of different people that like lots of different styles of music, and that's been. You know, I'm like a sponge when it comes to music. Like, I'm just, i just like, give it to me. What's that? Tell me what that is. I need to go and listen to that record. Give it to me. Oh, here's my records that you should listen to. So always do an exchange of music with, you know, even at school when I was listening to, like, more rock kind of pop, punk, emo kind of side of things, my, my best mates in secondary school were indie heads. And they were sitting there listening to, like, Block Party and Kasabian and, like, all that kind of, that late 2000s indie Mm. movement. So I kind of, I was like, well, I, this sounds great. You know, I'll take a bit of Kasabian and Block Party and I'll give you, you know, some brand new and taken back Sunday and all the things that I liked from all the record companies I supported. And just was like, that involved me into being like, you know, even into my songwriting to be a little bit more, wide scope not being like right well i I only listen to this style of music i'm only writing this it's like no if it's good and it's got your attention that's the most important thing it shouldn't be judged as genre based you know i think i think genres are kind of especially now i think genres are becoming less and less important because i think there's such a wide scope of people just like music you just go on the internet if it's good it's even if it's just a style it doesn't matter if it's a good song and it's got a good melody that's all that matters at the end of the day
1: couldn't agree more. Um, well, you've, you've touched on there um, kind of, you know, being a tastemaker and, and, and giving your friends, you know, the stuff that you was into, like Brand New and Taking Back Sunday and stuff. Um, for the final track, uh, I want you to be a tastemaker now, and uh, it's your opportunity uh, to influence and play DJ, Max. For track seven, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear, please.
2: Well, this is... I've already touched on this song and this artist a little bit earlier in the interview. is It's my friend Jack, who's known as V.C. Pines. And the song's called Cracks. And for me, it's just being part of this experience, writing this song, was, you know, my first time doing this outside of You at Six. And it was just such... For me, it just reminded me why I'm a musician. Because I remember just going into a room with Jack and my friend Max Smith who works at a studio called Newman Studios near me. And we're just having fun, just playing guitar, you know, as, as it should be. It should just, every time I walk into a room, it's always when you're on a writing session, the most important thing is a conversation. I don't go and pick up an instrument straight away. I like to sit there and have a conversation and chat and kind of get into people's headspace, where they are at that time in their life or, you know, what they're feeling, what they're trying to create, where, where they want to take their sound. And I'm lucky with Jack that... He's just somebody I connect with, you know. Straight away from meeting him once or twice, and then getting into a room with him as a musician was just like, wow, this guy's got—he's got an unbelievable voice. I think, you know, the only way I can describe it, he's got the male version of Amy Winehouse's voice. He's got such—he's got—it's unbelievable. I've never heard a vocalist like him to be honest with you. And watching him sing, he's pretty much pitch perfect. I've never really seen him make a bum note. And I'm saying, going, wow, you've got some real pipes here. And that became like the center of attention of this track that we wrote called cracks and it was just you know for me i'm seeing him grow as an artist right now he's got a lot of he's got a lot of music coming out this year which i'm really excited about because i've heard the tracks you know and i'm sitting there going you could be one of these amazingly massive artists that the uk could produce soon that's under the radar for so many people right now and I love it when you find an artist that is under the radar and you feel like you're one of the first people there to be part of that movement because when you see them go and get massive you're like I was there from the days and I supported him and more so he's he's a friend of mine and I'm here to support my friends you know and Give them a platform, give them a an audience, you know. And I'm lucky to do that because of the the work we've put in, in UMI at six as people that look at what I listen to. Yeah. And I'm here, you know, maybe as a tastemaker like yourself, Stuart, to showcase music to people that won't know about these artists, about giving them a platform to introduce them to new fans. Because I remember at the start when we started UMI at six, how difficult that was to break into new fans and find new audiences. And that for us was being on the road, playing shows with different artists and, you know, getting stuff thrown at you on stage. Yeah, it was difficult, but you know, you broke through some of that. If you had a hundred people throwing stuff at you, if 10 people liked it, it was worth it because you've converted people into fans. And I think, you know, right now, Jack's an amazing live musician, you know, first and foremost for me. That's why when I went and saw him play at the Lexington in London, I think it's about a year and a half ago now, two years, that it just blew me away. I was like, you surely have got to be one of these next up and coming artists that will break through this UK music scene and hopefully internationally as well, because why couldn't people like this style of music? It's, it's songs that you can put on in the background with your friends and not have to worry about listening to, but it's also music you can put on and listen to and really kind of dissect the songs and really just appreciate it. So, you know, for me, Jack has. I think he's one of those next up and coming talents that people should be aware of and be part of early before it's too late, before you can't see him in a, in a small venue.
1: Well, people can check it out because, um, what I do Max, I put together a Spotify playlist, um, of all the tracks that we spoke about, obviously some Yumi at six tracks as well. And, uh, and all the listeners can go and check out all the, the tunes that we've chatted about today. Um, just before we start to wrap things up, Max, um, I'm just interested to know as we – did I just call you Jack then?
2: No, no, I, I was calling – V.C. Pines is called Jack. You called right. me I, Max. You, I just, you smashed I just, it. I thought, don't worry. <laughs> I,
1: thought, oh, I just thought, did I just – you said the word Jack a few times. I thought, did I just call you Jack then? Anyway, um, yeah, so Max, I'm just interested to know um, as we sort of find ourselves hopefully on, on the road to – better times uh in 2021 um what are you looking forward to personally and what's happening professionally
2: um what I'm looking forward to is being able to play a live show again I think like a lot of artists would say right now I think it's given me um for everything we've gone through over nearly in the last year now it's affirmed to me that this is what I love doing. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life and never take it for granted. So, you know, if that's playing shows for an audience, um, if I'm sitting there having a bad day, I'm not going to let that affect my show, you know, because people go out and pay money to go and watch shows. And I think more so now than ever, we're all lacking that. And we're missing that human interaction. And to be one of those people that can provide great memories for people, You know, I'm going to make sure every show is played like it's going to be my last show because the last time we played a gig was September 2019, and this is the longest I've ever gone without it in my life. And I'm sitting there going, wow, that is it plays such a pivotal thing in my life to do that. So I'm looking forward to playing shows and having that world knowledge again of traveling and seeing things. And I think for me, I'll take that more on board is when I'm in a different country or I'm in a different city to kind of go and sightsee, appreciate, f- appreciate the, the culture of places a lot more because I find that all, I find that helps me write music as well. You know, being in new areas and meeting new people and having conversations, you know, kind of like how we touched on with lockdown and bumping into somebody down the street, just having that conversation is so important and you can get somebody's energy, fruity and it really could resonate with you and it could help you create your next piece of art so I'm really looking forward to doing that as well traveling the world and being grateful for the job I have and to remember you know when we've gone through this lockdown or this pandemic right now when we get back to the new normal remember actually this time right now to not forget what we've just gone through and forget the last year of our lives to get back into the new normal to sit there and be grateful for the things moving into the new normal
1: couldn't agree more. Um, Max, it's been a real pleasure talking records with you. Thanks so much for your time today, mate. No worries, Stu. Um, Thank
2: you so much for having me on board today.
1: And and if people want to keep up to speed with, with what you're doing and what the band's doing, where's the best place for people to to follow what you're up to?
2: Yeah, so our band's called Yumi at Six and we're on Twitter, Yumi at six, Instagram. You meet at 6 official our website is youmeat6.co.uk and if you want to be a little bit more nosy and find out about my own personal life my name on instagram is max hell yeah 90 so come and follow me there and i'm sure you'll see me writing music in my studio with other artists just having fun
1: wonderful max thanks again buddy no worries Steve. thank you so much for your time today there you go What an absolute delight Max was. Um, I hope you've got as much joy listening to that as I did recording it. Um, Just a really, really top guy. Go and uh, check out the UMIX6 record. Um, I mean, if you're struggling to find where it's at, it's at number one in the UK. I mean, what an achievement. Second number one album. Um, Yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, So go and check it out. It's a wonderful album. Also over on Spotify, you can check out all of the tracks, uh, as I alluded to at the end of that chat, um, you can listen to all the songs that, that Max has chosen and spoke about so go and get stuck in uh, as mentioned at the beginning as well there is a Patreon if you'd like to support the podcast there's also a back catalogue of 250 episodes with all your favourite musicians, actors, comedians and DJs and producers so go and have a rummage there, your one stop shop is www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com beat and not beaten I'll be back next time. Stay safe, everybody. Be excellent to one another. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And, what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year and they're based in Southend-on-Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a a love of tattoos and alternative music and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fair Wear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off the Beaten Track podcast. It's Off the Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With
0: me, Stew, with